0: Greetings to the PATH family. Our slogan at the PATH is meeting you where you are. We invite you to follow, share, and check us out on social media. You may connect with us at any time, anywhere. On Facebook at The PATH Church or Instagram and Twitter at Join the PATH. Without further delay, enjoy this week's sermon. Angel did a great job last week as we were preparing. We had our holiday service. It looked very different with all the tables. It was amazing. We had a fun time. But one of the challenges he gave, and I always think is good when we follow up with those challenges, right? It's not just, hey, we challenged and then it just disappears. So I don't know how you did, but here's the question. What specific act of kindness do you perform for someone outside of church this week? So the challenge was, go ahead and do something nice, do something kind for someone, but not someone in the church or someone outside the church. So here are some of the answers. I think that's awesome. It says being there for them. Amen. I don't know exactly what that means, but amen. Sometimes that's good. Encourage someone uh, who is new at work, provide grace when they didn't deserve it. Speak kindly at work. That could sometimes be more of a challenge, right? Depends who you're talking about. Bake brownies for someone. Man, that's awesome. Um, listen intently. So here we are. It says, encourage a coworker while dealing with a sick father in the hospital, including hugs. And I don't like touching people. That's being real. Um, prepared food, grace, and courage. So here's the thing. If you did not yet do it, it's not too late. All right. Focus on that. Write yourself a note. Just do something kind. You know, my daughter called me uh, this week. She was out with a friend and She met this lady that forgot where she parked her car. And lo and behold, it took her about 25 minutes to help her find her car. But she did it. And then she comes home and says, Man, that was a lot of gas. And the lady tried to give me money, but I didn't take it. So I said, You know what? I'll help you out. Because you can't realize, you don't know what impact you can make. And when you read the scriptures, the scriptures talk about when we do something for others. In a lot of ways, we're doing that for God. As a matter of fact, there's even a small bonus in there if you want to study it out for yourself. It says that some, without knowing, have entertained angels. And not just Maldonado, right, but angels (laughs) in heaven that we never know. And so that's awesome. All right, so let's go ahead and get into God's word. Um, So we talked about this, right? What's the greatest gift that God has given you? And this is kind of a trick question. So you can put something on there. I mean, of course, salvation. And uh, really what, what what I would like to do is I want to invite you to think of salvation more than just that moment. I mean, we get excited, and rightly so, when someone decides to make Jesus Lord of their lives. I mean, that's huge, right? That's big. That's a celebration. The scriptures talk about there's a party in heaven. But I think sometimes when we think about salvation, we think it's just that one moment. And we don't realize that the word salvation literally means healing. And so the more we're becoming like Jesus, the more we're healed, the more we're growing, the more we're changing, the more that is the gift that keeps on giving. And so um, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about relationships today, because I believe that's the greatest gift that God has given us. I mean, it starts, of course, with our relationship with him our relationships with one another. You know, no one becomes a Christian in a vacuum. No one does it alone. We need relationships. And God, just from the very beginning of time, it's always about relationships, right? The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit were together, made people, saw that Adam was alone. That was not good. Relationships. And throughout the entire scriptures, it's always you see relationships. And so we're going to go ahead and go to the book of Acts, and we're going to find out about Paul. Now, I know we know who Paul was, right? Paul, the apostle, was responsible for so much or so many of the church plants that we read about and we learn about. And so I want to park and I want us to focus on Corinth because I've done a lot of research and a lot of studying and it blew my mind. And I got to start with a confession. Can Can I be honest? Can I be open? My own biases, and maybe that's not you, but maybe you're guilty as me it was very easy for me to be judgmental towards the church in Corinth because 1 Corinthians is really a rebuke in a lot of ways because they had a lot of sin. And so for years, I've always believed until recently that the most sinful church in the Bible was the church in Corinth. But when I started studying it out, I realized, well, first of all, amen for grace, but I don't know how different we are then Corinth. And so I think that's a good way to start and be sober and humble. But secondly, I don't really think they're as sinful as we give them credit for. And, and I mean that in a good way, because there were men and women who deeply loved God, but were living in an environment that it was literally, it was almost impossible to be righteous. I mean, the entire society, the whole system was designed around pagan worship. And even if you wanted to take your child to the doctor, you had to go into the pagan temple so that they can get healed. And so Paul ends up in Corinth. It was actually not his plan, but we know sometimes we have one plan. God has another plan. All right? I don't know about you, but how many of you realized or even planned and thought, OK, this is where you would be in life. Or this city, or this time, or this church, or these relationships. Like a lot of it, it wasn't our plan, and so God has a greater plan. So let's start here in Acts chapter 18, and it reads, uh, and it's about Corinth. It reads, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. There, he made a Jew. He met a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome Paul went to see them and because he was a tent maker as they were he stayed and worked with them every sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue trying to persuade Jews and Greeks now why why do we start start here and why, why do we stop so first of all Athens is where Paul wanted to be. That that was an important city. If you know anything about Athens, I think the last time I preached, we focused on Athens. And and, I mean, it was an amazing place to be, even to this day. And there, there was a lot of pagan worship and he used that unknown God, you know, to preach the word and people responded. But Corinth was about 50, to be exact, 51 miles, 51.4. I'll show you why that matters. But he goes down to Corinth and the first thing he does is establish relationships. Now, there's a passage, like, you know, the book of Acts is written by the same author as Luke, Luke the Apostle. And so Luke talks about, from Luke chapter 10, when Jesus sends out the 72, or the 70, depending. The number's not as important as the fact that they were two by two. And he gave them really specific instructions. Anybody remember those instructions? He says, don't take Anything extra, not an extra, like don't, like literally you're going to depend on people. Now, how many of us like to depend on people? I mean, come on, let's be real. Like, like we, we feel like sometimes we have to, so we do it. But if we could in a perfect world, we don't need or want or have to ever depend on anyone. I think number one is because a lot of times people are not very dependable. And number two, I think, is our own pride, right? We feel like we should be able to do it. And so there's a part of us that feels like, ah, I don't like that I have to depend on someone. But see, God, in his infinite wisdom, designed for our walk, our Christianity, to be dependent on him and on other people. You notice we talked about baptism. You notice you cannot baptize yourself. Like, uh, trust me, people have tried. All right? they're, they're, we've had people, they're so eager to get baptized. They're ready, wait, Hold on, let, let's, let's ask you some questions first. Let's help you first. Let's put you down. And I guarantee we will bring you back up. And someone will say, well, what if, what if they fail? What if they don't bring me back up? Trust me, you'll make it back. I don't know anyone that I've met personally that's never made it back. And it's the same way, even in the church. You know, we're a church made up of people. And although we are here because we love God and and we're striving to be our best, sometimes we fall short. But that's by design because God wants us to depend or be interdependent with each other. And so the first thing he does, Paul gets there and he is obviously really at this stage in his ministry. He's still very focused on the Jewish people. Right, And when he talks about the Jews and the Greeks, he was talking about Greeks that were converted to Judaism. So his ministry, his mindset up until this point was still about the Jewish people. Not that there weren't Greeks, I mean that there weren't Gentiles, but his focus, his drive, his whole entire life's training was about the people of God, the Jewish people, and helping them to know about Jesus at this stage. But you know that sometimes the people that need you the most don't appreciate you the most. I know in my life, there have been times where I've helped someone and they didn't appreciate it or they didn't see how much of the way, how much out of my way I went to help them. But he goes, he finds them. And what's interesting is that the emperor at that time was not very fond of the Jewish people. And so a lot of them ended up in Corinth, like Aquila and, and Priscilla, because they had an opportunity to excel, to, to, to establish themselves. A lot of business people move to Corinth. And cities like Atlanta, people tend to move because there are a lot of opportunities. And so guess what happens when a lot of people move and it's a transient place? We don't have relationships. And so we're looking for new relationships. And so that, that's, that's good. That's a blessing. But Paul knew, okay, if I'm going to have some relationships, first of all, let me find like-minded people. And he found this Jewish couple who also happen to be of the same trade. Now, why is that important? Because Paul's focus is ministry. He's ready to build a church. He's ready to preach the word. He, he has all the credentials. That's why he could go into the synagogue and preach because of his training, his background, but he needed to survive, right? And he could not, in the, 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 the design of the Roman Empire, just go ahead and, and apply for a business license and go ahead and start his business. And so he had a partner with someone that already was established, that had the contracts, had the permits, had the licensing, were already had the relationships, and so he connects with them. And, of course, they're really, they embrace him. He ends up staying at their house and builds this amazing friendship. Now, last week, Angel also talked about, he showed this quick TikTok video of friendships and this guy, you see the picture there? I'm not going to show you the video again, but he talks about the five friends. You guys remember, and I put him here just in case you forgot, but he talks about the covenant friend, the spiritual friend, the confidant, the hospitable friend, and the hit man. That one we all like, right? But but you know, the, the truth is, and he goes on, and in this little talk that he does for a few seconds, he says, thank God if you have anyone that fits more than one category. And so I don't want us to focus Or get fixated on those categories as much. But I really want you to think about your relationships and your friendships. Because friendships are incredibly important. If they weren't important, God would not have designed for us to be in relationship. If they weren't important, Jesus himself would not have had relationships. And he did. And so they matter and they're important. So let's continue reading here in Acts chapter 18. You with me? All right, Acts chapter 18. It says, when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself exclusively to preaching, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Messiah. Let's pause. Who was Silas and Timothy? They were friends of Paul, and they went to Corinth to be with him, to support him, to encourage. You have those people in your life that they're there to support you, that they'll travel to be with you because they love you, because they care. Maybe they'll go places that they normally would not go, but they are there because you're there. Maybe you have someone that you love, and they're sick, and they're in the hospital, and your friend is like, I'll go with you. I mean, I don't know anybody who lines up to go to a hospital, but if they're your friend, they'll go with you. If you got to go through a difficult time, they're there to help you, to encourage you, and so on and so forth. And so they go there, and he's preaching. Again, remember, his focus is preaching to the Jews, but look what happens in verse 6. But when they opposed Paul and became abusive, he shook out the clothes in protest and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent of it. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. You know, sometimes the scriptures You know, it's black and white. I mean, literally, this scripture right here is is in black and white. But sometimes we got to kind of like put ourselves in that setting and understand. And I want you to put yourself in that that moment for a minute. You're helping people, right? That good. You're going out there. You're doing a good deed. You're preaching. You love these people. You don't even know them, but you're committed to them. And they become abusive. Now, I don't know about you, but I read this, and the way that it stands out to me is Paul had it. He was upset. He was venting. He was frustrated. I mean, I don't know who he was talking to at that point, but I'm assuming his friends heard about it. They heard his attitude, right? They were like, oh, I'm done. I'm done. Listen, I'm done with the Jewish people. I'm going to the Gentiles. That's a big deal. That's a really big deal. You know, he gets to that point, but luckily, and thank God, he had friends there. And we don't see everything, right? We don't know. For example, we don't know how Paul became a tent maker. Some people believe that it was part of his trade as he was learning from a rabbi. The rabbi, apparently the, 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 the rabbi that trained Paul's grandfather was a carpenter. And so some scholars believed that he learned how to build tents because of that. Others believe that it was just out of necessity, like he wasn't going out to become a tent maker, but He figured out. All we know is that by the time he gets here and he meets Priscilla and Aquila, he's a tent maker. And I don't know if it's one of those. You ever watch those funny videos where someone's like they lied on their resume or they exaggerated a little bit? You know, they they come out and they're like, oh, yeah, I know how to do this, but they don't. Well, we don't know. We don't know what happened, but we know this much. It was good to have friends. And in this moment, he's frustrated. He's venting. And so when you're venting, when you're frustrated, who are your safe friends that you can go to? Who are your safe friends? You know, uh, years ago, I stumbled upon this book by Dr. Henry Cloud called Safe People. I recommend it. It's a great book. And I use it a lot in counseling sessions. But what, what it is is that sometimes we do not know who is safe and who is not safe. And so we choose unwisely. We we pick someone that looks safe, or we thought we're safe until the time of testing, and then we realize they were not safe. Paul was an expert builder, and he knew about relationships. And let me tell you, he did a great job in building relationships. So he knew who he can go to, and who he cannot go to. And at that particular moment, his heart was out there for the Jewish people, but they were not safe. They were abusive. Number one, if you're in an abusive relationship, that's not safe. If you're in a relationship where you can't be real, that's not safe. If you're in a relationship where you're the giver and the other person is always the taker, that's not a safe relationship. And so as we go on, we'll see and we'll talk a little bit more here about what it means to be in a safe relationship. Let's go to Acts chapter 18, now verse 7. It says, then Paul left the synagogue and went next door to the house of Titius Justice. A worshiper of God. Crispus, the synagogue leader, and his entire household believed in the Lord, and many of the Corinthians who heard Paul believed and were baptized. Amazing. God still blessed it. You know, sometimes God actually blesses it more when we persevere through the hard times. Like that's when we sometimes see it because the temptation a lot of times is to give up right then and there, and that's when God blesses it. You know, when I met Amaryllis and we, we met, we were just great friends. And I was done dating. I was done. I was like, I'm done. I'm good. I'm just going to focus on Jesus. I'm going to date Jesus. <laughs> and and, and I, I, wasn't, I, wasn't, I wasn't thinking. As a matter of fact, if I even thought about it, I was almost thinking of getting back with my ex. But that wasn't working out. So I was like, I'm just going to be a good Christian. I'm going to focus on the will of God. And that's when God blessed me with this amazing woman. But I didn't see it at first. I'll be honest. If it were not for my friend, I remember because I want to be, can I be real for a minute? And everyone single out there. A lot of times women have a list. Like you, you pray about, I mean, you're more spiritual than most of the guys, you know, you, you pray, you, you, you want, you know, your man to look this way, act this way, smell this way. You know, you, you, you need him to be a certain way. But a lot of guys, we're we just not that deep. Let's be real. So I, I remember my prayer was just, God, if, if I do find someone, I just want someone that loves you and loves me. That's it. Like, those were, those were my qualities. But then some of my friends were like, no, 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 you're actually a lot more picky than you think. And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, well, does she need to know how to cook? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She needs to know how to cook. Um, Well, what what about people, does she need to be likable to people? Oh, yeah, that's really important. She needs to be like, what about a track? Do you think you need a finer track? Oh, absolutely. You know, I'm not going to spend the rest of my life with someone that I don't find. And so as the list went on, a good friend of mine says, well, you just described Amaryllis. And I was like, whoa, man. And God blessed me. But you know what? She came at a time where I thought I was done. Well, I didn't want a relationship, well, I wasn't looking for a relationship, I wasn't thinking about a relationship, but God knew what I needed and what I wanted. And thank you, honey, for loving me for 25 plus years. And so I count my wife in the very top of the list. You know, um, he was able to help people become Christians, and that's really important because he went to Jews and Gentiles. He didn't give up on the Jews. But it also helped him to have an open door where he went to the Gentiles as well. Sometimes we think, and for a long time I used to think, okay, Paul was done with the Jews and he just went to the Gentiles. No, no. It, what it did, it, it stopped him from going exclusively to the Jewish people and he opened his heart and his mind and even went next door to connect with people that God sent his way, and more and more people became Christians. Now, I believe that God puts us in situations, even through hardships and relationships and challenges, so that we could be open to new people in our lives. Some of us, if it were not for the challenges we have, we probably never would have been open to God, and definitely would not have been open to some strangers getting in our lives and helping us in our walk with God. You know, the next slide, I don't know if you know this, but one of the most popular shows, of our time? Friends. How many friends? Well, there's six in the picture, but if you're one of them, you have five. The five friends. And that number is going to stick with us for a minute because I think God made it easy for us. As long as you stick out your hand, you're like, you should have five good friends. At at least. Why? Why not just one? I only have one friend. Should I be okay? No. what, What if that friend is not available? What if that friend is going through something when you're going through something? So you need five, at least. And so this show is so popular. Even now, Gen Z loves this show. And I'm like, this show is like 25 years old. Like, why do you like it so much? But I think it's because God designed us to be relational. Amen. All right. Let's look at this map real quick. I did something and I'm going to be Real transparent. I didn't, I didn't plan this. I didn't do this. I was just curious while I was doing this. I went ahead and went on Google Maps and found out how far Athens and Corinth were from each other in miles. 51.6. I think I said .4. 51.6 miles. Paul had to travel and it wasn't his plan. Go to the next one. This is what I traveled today to come to church, 51.6. I didn't, I didn't plan that. I just looked it up, and it, you can't make this stuff up, right? So, so what, what, one of our good friends, uh, Mike and, and myself, know this dude for a long time. We knew him before he was famous. Where's Rodney? Rodney, the, he, he says, a church alive is worth the drive. That's the say. He loves saying it. And since he started coming, huh? Oh, you got it from Paul. All right, Paul, Paul. Well, Paul drives the same distance I drive. But but here's the thing. We are relational. Like, it's funny because Lori that got baptized last week invited her parents and they came from out of town and she said, this was the funniest thing, she said, on her way to church, her parents are like, we passed so many churches. Why did you choose that one? Why all the way over that? Like, couldn't you find another church closer? And when they got here and they saw and they, they participated with us and shared in the service, they said, now I know why. Now I know. That makes sense because it's about the relationships. And Paul and the brothers and sisters in the first century were not that different. They were all about the relationship. It didn't matter. And they didn't even have vehicles. And so how willing and how far are you willing to go for relationships that really matter? Amen. I found this quote and I thought it was cool. Good company in a journey makes the way seem shorter. (laughs) Good company in a journey makes the way seem shorter. It's so true. You're having a good time. You're not even thinking about it. And so. As you take time and you think about your relationships. Who are the people you're enjoying in your life? Because God did not design you to be a Christian to be the Lone Ranger. Because we know. Mike taught me this because he watched the Lone Ranger growing up apparently. He said even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. But you know as I started reflecting I just had a 50th birthday. A milestone birthday. And I was thinking and praying and went on this little trip. And I was like, wow, my oldest friend, and I don't mean just by age, but like my longest standing friend, I met in New York City, Mike Patterson, over 32 years ago. He's still my friend, so he's my New York friend. And then God took me, and I went to Philadelphia. And one of my closest friends who made this trip with me and has visited me multiple times here, my good friend Kenyatta. And that was my friend from Philadelphia. And then God took me from Philly, just a little bit south, and I ended up in Delaware. And I love Puerto Rican food, so I went to a Puerto Rican restaurant, and my friend ended up being the owner of that restaurant. I mean, this dude is, he's a cool dude to know. He's a great friend. Why? Because he has a boat, and he has a really nice house in Puerto Rico, and he gives me the (laughs) keys anytime. (laughs) But he's a great friend, and that's my friend. And then along the way, I meet this dude that was originally from Florida, ended up in Atlanta, and so my honorary Floridian friend, even though I never lived there, was Angel Maldonado. Yeah. And then last but not least, this was a hard one. I, I struggled. I had this dude that he, I don't know if I was going to let him in or not let him in. And I was wondering and God give me wisdom. But officially, Paul Vandrees became my friend. Yeah. He's my friend. <laughs> now, I, I would add a disclaimer. It's a probationary, but it's a friend. It's a friend. <laughs> But let's, uh, let's go to that scripture real quick in Romans 16 as we wrap it up here. Romans 16, verse 3. If you have time or make some time, Romans 16, Paul spends time greeting and sharing and thanking his friends. And when he does, in verse 3, it says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Isn't it amazing? Full circle. Paul ended up staying a year and a half in Corinth. Remember, it wasn't even. Why did he stay? Because of the relationships. And what did he do? When God called him to leave, he goes to Ephesus. Who does he invite to go with him? Priscilla and Aquila. And then he leaves them, but not leaves them at heart. And so as I close out, I want to show you this quick video. This is some of us are, we could date ourselves from this, but there was a, years ago, there was this commercial from T-Mobile about your fave five. You guys remember, for those who don't know, there was a time where you paid per minute. And so T-Mobile said, I know what I'm going to do. They they came up with this campaign and they said, listen, we're going to make it where the your favorite five people You don't pay It's free And so That was an exclusive group Like You could only have five That means that If there's a six person You're paying per minute And so you're like No 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 I'm going to save it For the people That I talk to the most So play that video real quick As we wrap it up Man that's an ugly sweater Alright Chuck Leave me alone I'm Trying to make this putt If you make this putt I'll put you in my five Are you serious? Dead serious Whew. I'm sorry, were you busy? Who's in your fave five? Now get my fave on the new T-Mobile Sidekick, Dwayne Wade Edition. Amen. So I'll leave you with this. Who's your favorite five? Who's your fave five? Because we all need them. And of course, it needs to start with God. Right? Now, don't cheat and say, well, my f- top three are the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Oh, uh, don't, don't put that yet. I'm sorry. Go back. This is this is after. Um, well, you already put it out, so don't worry. So we're going to focus in 2024. One of the focuses we're going to have is we're going to deepen our relationships. Amen. And so if you're single or if you're married, we're planning some workshops and some events of how to be a better friend. Because here's the thing. It's easy for us to be like, all right, I want I want these. Are, these are the things I want my friends to be. But the truth is, we're going to attract people that are like us. So if we don't grow then we're going to limit the relationships we have. So we're planning some workshops. And so I just want to know for, you know, to survey the group, like how many of us would be interested if we did on February the 10th, if we had certain workshops for singles and for married. And so if you're not planning to attend, don't put anything there. But if you are, just let us know because we want to know who to plan for. And we even want to do something really nice for couples because it happens to be right before Valentine's weekend. All right? So let's go to God in prayer. Go ahead and fill that out uh, if, you, if you can. Let's pray as we get ready for our, co- our take communion together. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, and God, thank you, God, for the way you love us. God, thank you that you did not call us to be Christians alone. Father, that you put men and women in our lives, God. And, and I know some of us have deeper relationships than others, God, but we all need to grow and even Uh, expand the relationships that we have and deepen the ones that we have and maybe even restore some old relationships. God, just be with us. God, help us to understand that even Jesus himself, as he walked this earth, did not do it alone. And Paul, who was so instrumental, God, as he did great things like even plant churches as something that we're getting ready to do here at The Path, God, help us to, to Seek out who those favorite people in our lives will be, God, those go-to people, those people that we could be there for and they are there for us. God, we love you. Help us to think, pray, reflect, and also walk around just with gratitude because you've blessed us so much. God, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. New sermons are uploaded each Monday morning. Simply search The Path Church Atlanta in iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting service. Additionally, we greatly appreciate your feedback on iTunes. If you would like to learn more about the path, we encourage you to visit www.thepath.church. We hope to fellowship with you soon.